Listeners, it's producer Ben here. Now, if, like me, you listen to a lot of different podcasts, you'll be familiar with the work of Gimlet Media. They're the people who make shows like Reply All, Startup, Mogul. Basically, they're the best in the business when it comes to long-form audio storytelling. Well, they've got a new series out called We Came to Win, and it's all about the hidden stories behind the World Cup's most iconic moments. So there's a documentary on the Zaire team of 1974, how they became a pawn in the Mobutu dictatorship, There's another about England at Italia 90, which features our very own Ian McIntosh and Matt Scott. And because it's an American podcast, meaning they'll say field instead of pitch, uniform instead of kit, and, you know, soccer a couple of times, there's also an episode about the US team's heroic attempts to overcome the odds and snatch a qualifying spot for the 1990 World Cup. And that is an especially good one. The show's hosted by football journalist Nando Vila and Gimlet are releasing a new story every week until the World Cup starts. And as a bonus to all of our Totally Football Show subscribers, here's an ad-free version of their very excellent Rise and Fall of Diego Maradona documentary. Have a listen to it, and if you enjoy the show, search and subscribe for it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your audio on demand. The name of the show again, We Came to Win. This is the story of a man. A man who is many men. Diego Armando Maradona. Ole, 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 Diego, Diego. That's how, uh, that's how people might say it. Diego Armando Maradona. Soccer god. Icon. The greatest player ever. According to some. Siempre, siempre, como jugador de fútbol, hablamos siempre el mejor. He's a genius, a, uh, by any definition of genius that we wish to kind of encounter. Sí, sí, Diego Armando Maradona. Es un, un personaje aparte. He's in a league of his own, just like any absolute artist is in a league of their own, like Mozart is in music. He's perfect intuition, pure creativity. So it's impossible to put anyone else on his level. Imposible de equipararlo. But he's complicated. Maradona is an artist, yes, but a tortured artist. In many ways, he is very revered and adored, and in many ways, he isn't. He has a tragic temperament. He spent his whole life crying about something. He's excessive. I mean, some people use the word insanity. He's obviously struggled with addictions. Maradona is many men. Today we will tell the tale of three Maradonas in three World Cup games. Maradona the victim, Maradona the hero, Maradona the villain. I'm Nando Vila, and this is We Came to Win from Gimlet Media. Prologue, the Orange. Maradona didn't grow up with much. He was born in 1960 and raised in Villa Fiorito, a shanty town on the outskirts of Buenos Aires. So the, the formal term is, is a barrio carenciado, which means a deprived neighborhood. This is Marcela Mora Yaraujo. Marcela knows Maradona's story well. She's interviewed him many times and translated his autobiography into English. And Villa Fiorito is quite a big uh, neighborhood like that. Maradona grew up there. And his own description of his early childhood is, is really, um, you know, quite extreme poverty. Like there's no running water. So he'd walk quite a long way once a day to fill buckets with water. 
bring them back, um, not enough food perhaps for the whole family. So the young Maradona didn't have much, but he had football. Always football. Maradona started to play not long after he could walk, even if there wasn't always a ball. Whenever his mom sent him on an errand or something, he would just play keepy-uppy with whatever he found. A lid of a bottle, a cork, an orange, a piece of paper. Um, so he was always literally playing um, with anything he could find. Tap, tap. Picture him and hear him, weaving his way through the streets of Villafiorito. A kid with wild black curls and an orange balanced on his big toe as if held in place by an invisible magnet. Maradona grew up playing soccer on the street or in the potrero, as we Argentinians call it. Argentine soccer writer Ezequiel Fernández Mores. A potrero is a small dirt field. And it was here that the young Maradona learned to play. And it was here that he learned to win. There are rocks. Sometimes you face opponents who are much bigger. It's not exactly the kingdom of justice. There's a lot of injustice in those potreros. So how do you make up for the unfairness of that irregular field, that ball that's sometimes flat, that opponent who's sometimes bigger and older? How do you make cap for that? How do you balance that out? Sometimes you need what's called cunning. All the little boys in the Potrero share the same dreams. Dreams of playing on lush grass, of playing for Argentina, of lifting trophies. To most, they're just dreams. And these games in the dirt are as far as they'll ever go. But with Maradona, it was clear he had a gift, that he was special, that he could become a champion. And word spread about the little boy from Villa Fiorito with magical feet. There's this footage of him in an old TV news report. He must be about nine or 10. He's juggling a ball on a dusty field, delicately flipping it from his toe to the top of his head and back again. The camera cuts to his face, young and broad and earnest. Those dark curls sweaty and matted to his forehead. Here's what he said. I want to win the World Cup. Match 1, 1982, Brazil versus Argentina. Maradona would get his first chance to win a World Cup in 1982. He was 21, still practically a boy. But all of the skills he had learned in the potrero, the cunning, the street smarts, he had taken them into professional football. Back then, Cesar Luis Menotti was Maradona's coach on the Argentina national team. A reporter asked him, just how good is the kid from Villa Fiorito? Menotti's nodding. He's considering the question. But when he starts to talk about Maradona, his thin lips curl into a smile. In this moment, 
he says, I could assuredly say that he is one of, or the, best player in the world. Back in the early 80s, Maradona was something of a myth. Argentina knew how good he was, but the rest of the world? For the most part, all they had were stories. Stories from those who had seen him with their own eyes. Stories of a player who was pure poetry in motion. Marcela Mora Araujo. There are many images that you could freeze of him. Web from the knee down, the ankle, the foot, the ball are all seemingly one. And he appears to be able to direct the ball as he wishes, as if it was a part of his own body. Author Alicia Dujovne Ortiz wrote a book about Maradona called Maradona Soy Yo. This is how she describes how Maradona moves. He plays in a special way because he runs due to his small stature in a special way without moving far from the ground, you know? He runs like a spider, as if he had six legs instead of two. That way he gains time. He also gains time because he's left-footed. His cerebral hemispheres work in such a way that he has a quickness that other players don't. When Argentina arrived at the 1982 World Cup, they were one of the favorites. They had won the last World Cup, and now they had Maradona. Their rivals knew that if they were going to stop Argentina, first they had to stop Maradona. But how? What do you do when your opponent dribbles like he has six legs? It's simple. You kick him. You kick him until he can't dribble or run anymore. And that's exactly what happened. Teams assigned players to mark Maradona out of the game, to follow him wherever he went, and if necessary, to play dirty. Ezequiel Fernández Mores. Maradona had no breathing room because the marking was so tight. There were a lot of kicks that occurred away from the play, a lot of pushing and grabbing. That was a Maradona that was very battered, and he wasn't protected by the referees. Argentina and Maradona limped into the second round of the tournament, battered, bruised, demoralized. Their chances of advancing in the competition all came down to a must-win game against Brazil. Maradona's on the field, warming up before the game. Those wild curls frame his boyish face. But he hasn't shaved in a few days, and he looks tired, like he didn't sleep properly the night before. He's still only 21, but he somehow has the countenance of a middle-aged man, one behind on his mortgage payments. Maybe it was all of the kicks, all the tackles from behind. He just doesn't look right. The game goes badly, for Argentina and for Maradona. Brazil score first, then they score again, 2-0. The final nail in the coffin, Junior scores in the 75th minute. Argentina were being run to a standstill. Brazil grew so confident that left-back Junior danced through from defense to slip the ball through Fijol's legs for number three. Brazil schooled Argentina, passing the ball around them with ease. In the 85th minute, Maradona snaps. The ball bounces loose in the midfield. Batista, a Brazilian player, moves to control it. Then in comes Maradona flying through the air with his boot raised. He kicks Batista in the groin. 
To be more specific, he kicks him in the balls. The Brazilian flops to the ground like a dead fish. Everyone stops for a moment, processing what they've just seen. Football was rougher back then, but this, this was a different level of violence. It's like Maradona forgot where he was. Because this is the World Cup, not the Potrero. And there are consequences. So the referee walks over to Maradona and there's no hesitation. Red card. He trudges off the field, looking down at his boots. He wipes his nose on his sleeve. An older teammate ruffles his hair, consoles him. It's a sweet gesture, and a paternal one too. And the world's reminded that Maradona is still just a boy. So it's, I think, that incredible permanent contradiction that is Maradona. So on the one hand, he lashes out, he's violent, he's aggressive, he's foul-mouthed. And on the other, he awakens a sense of, of sadness and vulnerability and um, deep unhappiness or dissatisfaction. I, I guess that's the word. He's never satisfied. He's In a way, he's insatiable. He is clearly frustrated, defeated and broken. And that's how Maradona lives. Maradona knows when he makes the foul that it is a play for expulsion. He doesn't even discuss the expulsion. He just leaves the field with his head down, assuming that this is his sad farewell to the World Cup to which he had arrived as the king. So it's a very poignant image, I think, because he has the outward aggression and the vulnerability rolled into one in full view of the entire world. The following day, I see the players in the airport about to leave, and I see Maradona incredibly alone, absolutely alone, with his head down, Three or four of us journalists who saw him approached him to talk with him for a few minutes. He responded with monosyllabic answers. And it was a Maradona who was the living image of defeat. Game two, 1986, England versus Argentina. Maradona's temper was part of his game. Yes, he was an artist, but he could be a fighter too. But as he grew older, grew more experienced, he learned when to use the cunning of the potrero and when to play by the rules. That combination was unstoppable. The Maradona of 1986 is the prime Maradona. He arrives at the World Cup in Mexico as the best player in the world. No arguments. He's also the captain of Argentina now. And to a proud Argentinian like Maradona, that meant everything. But the Argentina team of that year, they only just qualified for the tournament. And they were expected to fail, even if they had Maradona. Soccer is a team sport, 11 players. It doesn't always lend itself to individualism. The field is too big. One player can't always collect the ball, drive a team forward. The best teams are units. They move as one. Or so they say. In 1986, Argentina were different. Maradona was there in almost every play. Coming deep to pick up the ball, 
darting forward, passing, moving into space to collect the ball. He was everywhere. Still, his opponents tried to kick him, to pull him down, to drag Art into the mud. But 1986 Maradona was too quick and too determined. Determined to prove the doubters wrong. All of those who said this Argentina team, Maradona's Argentina team, stood no chance. And so he dragged Argentina out of the group stages, through the round of 16, and into the quarterfinal. Against England, Argentina's bitter enemy. Maradona's bitter enemy. This was a rivalry that went beyond the field. Because four years earlier, in 1982, Britain and Argentina were at war. The countries were fighting over the Malvinas Islands, also known as the Falkland Islands, a British territory in the South Atlantic. The islands aren't far from the coast of Argentina, and many people in Argentina considered them part of their country, not Britain. Alicia Dujovne Ortiz. You have to remember that they teach us in school, not wrongly, that the Malvinas are Argentinian, because they're there on the border of Argentina. There's no reason for them to belong to such a faraway country. It's a story of colonialism, meaning that all of us who go to school in Argentina know, think, believe that the Malvinas are Argentinian. And Maradona must have been influenced by that too. The two countries fought a short but brutal war. It ended with the Argentine forces surrendering and returning the islands to British rule. That defeat left a deep wound in the national psyche. These were their islands, and they'd lost them. And their countrymen's lives had been lost too. And now, four years later, here we are. Argentina and England. The quarterfinal of the World Cup. An image. The players are in the tunnel before the game. Maradona, clean-shaven, focused, his blue shirt the color of a perfect sky. Before the match, he said this was just a game, nothing to do with politics. But bullshit. He hadn't just come to win, he was here for revenge. He knew it, and so did everyone else. So in the tunnel before the game, Maradona doesn't need to say a single word to motivate his teammates. Maradona, dueño, patron, leader. So before the game, Maradona, the owner, the leader, the wizard of that team, what does he do? With his soccer shoes that have those aluminum cleats, Maradona begins to stomp on the cement floor. That's how the noise begins. His teammates begin to imitate him. The energy is transmitted. And that's how they go out to the field to play, with an energy that the captain transmitted from his magical shoes. The players walk out of the tunnel and onto the field. There's over 100,000 people in the crowd. The stage is set. So the players line up. The national anthems are played. That's a standard as per every game. And he looks um, angry. There's a very good word in Argentina that, uh, called bronca, which it's like an anger and resentment. And he, Maradona himself, often defines his engine and his kind of the thing that makes him thrive and fight as bronca. 
And I think you can see in that lineup before the England game that he is full of bronca, that he's out to avenge himself, his country, the boys who died in the war, the war itself, to knock the empire and play against the queen. I mean, it's it's very full of uh, kind of symbolic underdog strikes back. The first half is tense. The teams evenly matched. 0-0. Then... Maradona... Maradona has the ball. He eludes one, two, three English rivals, and he gives it to Valdano. Valdano, Maradona's teammate, tries to return the ball, but his pass is bad. It loops off the leg of an England defender and towards the England goalkeeper, Peter Shilton. That's when Maradona and Peter Shilton jump. Maradona is around five foot five. Shilton is about six feet tall. And Maradona has to try to use his head to flick the ball into the net. According to the rules, only the goalkeeper can use his hands, so everyone expects Shilton to reach over Maradona's head to get the ball. No. No. Gana Maradona. Maradona wins. Gol de Argentina. Gold for Argentina. But watch the replay back and you'll see that there's something wrong with this goal. Everything about the way Maradona moves, the angle of his body, the way he cranes his neck, it's as if he's going to use his head to flick the ball past Shilton. But watch the replay and you'll see that it's all a trick that he can't leap high enough to use his head. And you'll see that Maradona punches the ball into the net. I'm saying this. In the quarterfinal of the World Cup, Maradona broke the most fundamental rule of the game. He used his hand. And he used it to score a goal against his nemesis. To do it, he had used all the cunning he learned in the Potrero. On the field, the referee missed it. He was at the wrong angle to see Maradona's hand. Some of the England players did see, and they swarmed around the referee, protesting. But they're waved away, and the goal is given. Argentina 1, England 0. I could not believe what was happening. That kind of cunning. <laughs> but Maradona was, he was so wily, so wily that he deceived the whole world on live TV. He deceived millions and he scammed them in a way that was instinctive. Maradona wants the goal at all costs. Maradona says that it wasn't his hand that scored the goal. It was the hand of God. And in this game against England, there was another miracle. One that had nothing to do with breaking the rules. Everything to do with Maradona's skill and his six legs. Four minutes after his goal, Maradona picks up the ball inside his own half. He spins away from two England defenders and bursts forward. It's like Maradona was puffing up his chest with pride as he was picking up speed. He was becoming an emperor. He was putting on the emperor's robe. No one will stop me now. The England defenders kept lunging.
Listeners, it's producer Ben here. Now, if like me, you listen to a lot of different podcasts, you'll be familiar with the work of Gimlet Media. They're the people who make shows like Reply All, Startup, Mogul. Basically, they're the best in the business when it comes to long-form audio storytelling. Well, they've got a new series out called We Came to Win, and it's all about the hidden stories behind the World Cup's most iconic moments. So there's a documentary on the Zaire team of 1974, how they became a pawn in the Mobutu dictatorship. There's another about England at Italian 90, which features our very own Ian McIntosh and Matt Scott. And because it's an American podcast, meaning they'll say field instead of pitch, uniform instead of kit, and, you know, soccer a couple of times, there's also an episode about the US team's heroic attempts to overcome the odds and snatch a qualifying spot for the 1990 World Cup. And that is an especially good one. The show is hosted by football journalist Nando Vila and Gimlet are releasing a new story every week until the World Cup starts. And as a bonus to all of our Totally Football Show subscribers, here's an ad-free version of their very excellent Rise and Fall of Diego Maradona documentary. Have a listen to it and if you enjoy the show, search and subscribe for it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your audio on demand. The name of the show again, We Came to Win. This is the story of a man. A man who is many men. Diego Armando Maradona. Ole, 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 Diego, Diego. That's how, uh, that's how people might say it. Diego Armando Maradona. Soccer god. Icon. The greatest player ever. According to some. Siempre, siempre, como jugador de fútbol, hablamos siempre el mejor. He's a genius, a, uh, by any definition of genius that we wish to kind of encounter. Sí, sí, Diego Armando Maradona. Es un, un personaje aparte. He's in a league of his own, just like any absolute artist is in a league of their own, like Mozart is in music. His perfect intuition, pure creativity. So it's impossible to put anyone else on his level. Imposible de equipararlo. But he's complicated. Maradona is an artist, yes, but a tortured artist. In many ways, he is very revered and adored, and in many ways, he isn't. He has a tragic temperament. He spent his whole life crying about something. He's excessive. I mean, some people use the word insanity. He's obviously struggled with addictions. Maradona is many men. Today we will tell the tale of three Maradonas in three World Cup games. Maradona the victim, Maradona the hero, Maradona the villain. I'm Nando Vila, and this is We Came to Win from Gimlet Media. Prologue, the Orange. Maradona didn't grow up with much. He was born in 1960 and raised in Villa Fiorito, a shanty town on the outskirts of Buenos Aires. So the, the formal term is, is a barrio carenciado, which means a deprived neighborhood. This is Marcela Mora Yaraujo. Marcela knows Maradona's story well. She's interviewed him many times and translated his autobiography into English. And Villa Fiorito is quite a big uh, neighborhood like that. Maradona grew up there. And his own description of his early childhood is, is really, um, you know, quite extreme poverty. Like there no running water. So he'd walk quite a long way once a day to fill buckets with water. 
bring them back. Um, not enough food, perhaps, for the whole family. So the young Maradona didn't have much, but he had football. Always football. Maradona started to play not long after he could walk, even if there wasn't always a ball. Whenever his mom sent him on an errand or something, he would just play keepy-uppy with whatever he found. A lid of a bottle, a cork, an orange, a piece of paper. Um, so he was always literally playing um, with anything he could find. Tap, tap. Picture him and hear him, weaving his way through the streets of Villa Fiorito. A kid with wild black curls and an orange balanced on his big toe as if held in place by an invisible magnet. Maradona, Maradona, se crió jugando fútbol en la calle. Maradona grew up playing soccer on the street, or in the potrero, as we Argentinians call it. Argentine soccer writer Ezequiel Fernández Mores. A potrero is a small dirt field, and it was here that the young Maradona learned to play, and it was here that he learned to win. There are rocks. Sometimes you face opponents who are much bigger. It's not exactly the kingdom of justice. There's a lot of injustice in those potreros. So how do you make up for the unfairness of that irregular field, that ball that's sometimes flat, that opponent who's sometimes bigger and older? How do you make cap for that? How do you balance that out? Sometimes you need what's called cunning. All the little boys in the Potrero share the same dreams. Dreams of playing on lush grass, of playing for Argentina, of lifting trophies. To most, they're just dreams. And these games in the dirt are as far as they'll ever go. But with Maradona, it was clear he had a gift. That he was special. That he could become a champion. And word spread about the little boy from Villa Fiorito with magical feet. There's this footage of him in an old TV news report. He must be about nine or ten. He's juggling a ball on a dusty field, delicately flipping it from his toe to the top of his head and back again. The camera cuts to his face, young and broad and earnest. Those dark curls sweaty and matted to his forehead. Here's what he said. I want to win the World Cup. Match 1, 1982, Brazil versus Argentina. Maradona would get his first chance to win a World Cup in 1982. He was 21, still practically a boy. But all of the skills he had learned in the potrero, the cunning, the street smarts, he had taken them into professional football. Back then, Cesar Luis Menotti was Maradona's coach on the Argentina national team. A reporter asked him, just how good is the kid from Villa Fiorito? Menotti's nodding. He's considering the question. But when he starts to talk about Maradona, his thin lips curl into a smile. In this moment, 
He says, I could assuredly say that he is one of, or the, best player in the world. Back in the early 80s, Maradona was something of a myth. Argentina knew how good he was, but the rest of the world? For the most part, all they had were stories. Stories from those who had seen him with their own eyes. Stories of a player who was pure poetry in motion. Marcela Moray Araujo. There are many images that you could freeze of him. Web from the knee down, the ankle, the foot, the ball are all seemingly one. And he appears to be able to direct the ball as he wishes, as if it was a part of his own body. Author Alicia Dujovne Ortiz wrote a book about Maradona called Maradona Soy Yo. This is how she describes how Maradona moves. He plays in a special way because he runs due to his small stature in a special way without moving far from the ground, you know? He runs like a spider, as if he had six legs instead of two. That way he gains time. He also gains time because he is left-footed. His cerebral hemispheres work in such a way that he has a quickness that other players don't. When Argentina arrived at the 1982 World Cup, they were one of the favorites. They had won the last World Cup, and now they had Maradona. Their rivals knew that if they were going to stop Argentina, first they had to stop Maradona. But how? What do you do when your opponent dribbles like he has six legs? It's simple. You kick him. You kick him until he can't dribble or run anymore. And that's exactly what happened. Teams assigned players to mark Maradona out of the game, to follow him wherever he went, and if necessary, to play dirty. Ezequiel Fernández Mores. Maradona had no breathing room because the marking was so tight. There were a lot of kicks that occurred away from the play, a lot of pushing and grabbing. That was a Maradona that was very battered, and he wasn't protected by the referees. Argentina and Maradona limped into the second round of the tournament, battered, bruised, demoralized. Their chances of advancing in the competition all came down to a must-win game against Brazil. Maradona's on the field, warming up before the game. Those wild curls frame his boyish face. But he hasn't shaved in a few days, and he looks tired, like he didn't sleep properly the night before. He's still only 21, but he somehow has the countenance of a middle-aged man, one behind on his mortgage payments. Maybe it was all of the kicks, all the tackles from behind. He just doesn't look right. The game goes badly for Argentina and for Maradona. Brazil score first, then they score again, 2-0. The final nail in the coffin, Junior scores in the 75th minute. Argentina were being run to a standstill. Brazil grew so confident that left-back Junior danced through from defense to slip the ball through Fijol's legs for number three. Brazil schooled Argentina, passing the ball around them with ease. In the 85th minute, Maradona snaps. The ball bounces loose in the midfield. Batista, a Brazilian player, moves to control it. Then in comes Maradona flying through the air with his boot raised. He kicks Batista in the groin. 
To be more specific, he kicks him in the balls. The Brazilian flops to the ground like a dead fish. Everyone stops for a moment, processing what they've just seen. Football was rougher back then, but this, this was a different level of violence. It's like Maradona forgot where he was. Because this is the World Cup, not the Potrero. And there are consequences. So the referee walks over to Maradona and there's no hesitation. Red card. He trudges off the field, looking down at his boots. He wipes his nose on his sleeve. An older teammate ruffles his hair, consoles him. It's a sweet gesture, and a paternal one too. And the world's reminded that Maradona is still just a boy. So it's, I think that incredible permanent contradiction that is Maradona. So on the one hand, he lashes out, he's violent, he's aggressive, he's foul-mouthed. And on the other, he awakens a sense of, of sadness and vulnerability and um, deep unhappiness or dissatisfaction. I, I guess that's the word. He's never satisfied. He's In a way, he's insatiable. He is clearly frustrated defeated and broken. And that's how Maradona lives. Maradona knows when he makes the foul that it is a play for expulsion. He doesn't even discuss the expulsion. He just leaves the field with his head down, assuming that this is his sad farewell to the World Cup to which he had arrived as the king. So it's a very poignant image, I think, because he has the the outward aggression and the vulnerability rolled into one in full view of the entire world. The following day, I see the players in the airport about to leave and I see Maradona incredibly alone, absolutely alone, with his head down. Three or four of us journalists who saw him approached him to talk with him for a few minutes. He responded with monosyllabic answers. And it was a Maradona who was the living image of defeat. Game two, 1986, England versus Argentina. Maradona's temper was part of his game. Yes, he was an artist, but he could be a fighter too. But as he grew older, grew more experienced, he learned when to use the cunning of the potrero and when to play by the rules. That combination was unstoppable. The Maradona of 1986 is the prime Maradona. He arrives at the World Cup in Mexico as the best player in the world. No arguments. He's also the captain of Argentina now. And to a proud Argentinian like Maradona, that meant everything. But the Argentina team of that year, they only just qualified for the tournament. And they were expected to fail, even if they had Maradona. Soccer is a team sport, 11 players. It doesn't always lend itself to individualism. The field is too big. One player can't always collect the ball, drive a team forward. The best teams are units. They move as one. Or so they say. In 1986, Argentina were different. Maradona was there, in almost every play. Coming deep to pick up the ball, 
darting forward, passing, moving into space to collect the ball. He was everywhere. Still, his opponents tried to kick him, to pull him down, to drag Art into the mud. But 1986 Maradona was too quick and too determined. Determined to prove the doubters wrong. All of those who said this Argentina team, Maradona's Argentina team, stood no chance. And so he dragged Argentina out of the group stages, through the round of 16, and into the quarterfinal. Against England, Argentina's bitter enemy, Maradona's bitter enemy. This was a rivalry that went beyond the field. Because four years earlier, in 1982, Britain and Argentina were at war. The countries were fighting over the Malvinas Islands, also known as the Falkland Islands, a British territory in the South Atlantic. The islands aren't far from the coast of Argentina, and many people in Argentina considered them part of their country, not Britain. Alicia Dujovne Ortiz. You have to remember that they teach us in school, not wrongly, that the Malvinas are Argentinian, because they're there on the border of Argentina. There is no reason for them to belong to such a faraway country. It's a story of colonialism, meaning that all of us who go to school in Argentina know, think, believe that the Malvinas are Argentinian. And Maradona must have been influenced by that too. The two countries fought a short but brutal war. It ended with the Argentine forces surrendering and returning the islands to British rule. That defeat left a deep wound in the national psyche. These were their islands, and they'd lost them. And their countrymen's lives had been lost too. And now, four years later, here we are. Argentina and England. The quarterfinal of the World Cup. An image. The players are in the tunnel before the game. Maradona, clean-shaven, focused, his blue shirt the color of a perfect sky. Before the match, he said this was just a game, nothing to do with politics. But bullshit. He hadn't just come to win, he was here for revenge. He knew it, and so did everyone else. So in the tunnel before the game, Maradona doesn't need to say a single word to motivate his teammates. Maradona, dueño, patrón, líder. So before the game, Maradona, the owner, the leader, the wizard of that team, what does he do? With his soccer shoes that have those aluminum cleats, Maradona begins to stomp on the cement floor. That's how the noise begins. His teammates begin to imitate him. The energy is transmitted. And that's how they go out to the field to play, with an energy that the captain transmitted from his magical shoes. The players walk out of the tunnel and onto the field. There's over 100,000 people in the crowd. The stage is set. So the players line up, the national anthems are played. That's a standard as per every game. And he looks um, angry. There's a very good word in Argentina that, uh, called bronca, which it's like an anger and resentment. And he, Maradona himself, often defines his engine and his kind of the thing that makes him thrive and fight as bronca. 
And I think you can see in that lineup before the England game that he is full of bronca, that he's out to avenge himself, his country, the boys who died in the war, the war itself, to knock the empire and play against the Queen. I mean, it's it's very full of uh, kind of symbolic underdog strikes back. So England against Argentina for a place in the semi-finals. The first half is tense. The teams evenly matched. 0-0. Then... Maradona... Maradona has the ball. He eludes one, two, three English rivals, and he gives it to Valdano. Valdano, Maradona's teammate, tries to return the ball, but his pass is bad. It loops off the leg of an England defender and towards the England goalkeeper, Peter Shilton. That's when Maradona and Peter Shilton jump. Maradona is around five foot five. Shilton is about six feet tall. And Maradona has to try to use his head to flick the ball into the net. According to the rules, only the goalkeeper can use his hands, so everyone expects Shilton to reach over Maradona's head to get the ball. No. No. Gana Maradona. Maradona wins. Gol de Argentina. Goal for Argentina. But watch the replay back, and you'll see that there's something wrong with this goal. Everything about the way Maradona moves, the angle of his body, the way he cranes his neck, it's as if he's going to use his head to flick the ball past Shilton. But watch the replay, and you'll see that it's all a trick, that he can't leap high enough to use his head. And you'll see that Maradona punches the ball into the net. I'm saying this. In the quarterfinal of the World Cup, Maradona broke the most fundamental rule of the game. He used his hand. And he used it to score a goal against his nemesis. To do it, he had used all the cunning he learned in the Potrero. On the field, the referee missed it. He was at the wrong angle to see Maradona's hand. Some of the England players did see, and they swarmed around the referee, protesting. But they're waved away, and the goal is given. Argentina 1, England 0. I could not believe what was happening. That kind of cunning. <laughs> but Maradona was, he was so wily, so wily that he deceived the whole world on live TV. He deceived millions, and he scammed them in a way that was instinctive. Maradona wants the goal at all costs. Maradona says that it wasn't his hand that scored the goal. It was the hand of God. And in this game against England, there was another miracle. One that had nothing to do with breaking the rules. Everything to do with Maradona's skill and his six legs. Four minutes after his goal, Maradona picks up the ball inside his own half. He spins away from two England defenders and bursts forward. It's like Maradona was puffing up his chest with pride as he was picking up speed. He was becoming an emperor. He was putting on the emperor's robe. No one will stop me now. The England defenders kept lunging, hurling themselves at Maradona. But on he went, past another and another. 
the little man in blue weaving through the white shirts. Even watching it back now, you expect someone to stop him. Because these sorts of goals, one player dribbling past an entire team, you see that stuff in the schoolyard or the potrero, but not here. Not in the quarterfinal of a World Cup. But on he went, past another defender and another. to know what the commentator is saying here. Translation. I want to cry. Oh, holy God, long live football. What a goal. Diego, Maradona. It's to cry for. Excuse me, Maradona. In a memorable run. In the best play of all time. Little cosmic kite. Which planet did you come from to leave so many Englishmen behind so that the whole country becomes a clenched fist crying for Argentina? Thank you for these tears. And for this Argentina 2, England 0. Within the space of a few minutes, everything that's good and everything that's bad about the game was shown on the pitch. And it was just the one man who completely did good and evil, beauty and horror, cheating and absolute outstanding talent. All of it, just himself literally within the space of a few minutes. And I think that's that also sums up the intensity of Maradona as a character. It's so intense, it's so powerful, and we could all see it. Argentina won the match 2-1, to one, and they went on to win the 1986 World Cup. There's footage of Maradona in the locker room after the final. He's surrounded by his teammates. He's shirtless, but he still has his captain's armband on. He's full of joy, but there's bronca there too. He hasn't forgotten that before the tournament, some people doubted this team, doubted Diego Maradona. So he's jumping up and down and singing this. Argentina will be champions. Argentina will be champions. We dedicate this to everyone and the effing whore mothers who birthed you. That last line was directed towards the doubters. Only the true believers were welcome to celebrate with Maradona. Diego Armando Maradona, star of Mexico 86, receives the World Cup trophy 16 years after Pele had collected the gold medal in the very same stadium. Argentina are World Cup winners for the second time. As for Maradona, he walked into the 1986 World Cup a man. He walked out of it with immortality. But being immortal can be hard. Game 3, 1994, Argentina versus Greece. Maradona's teammate from that 1986 team, Jorge Valdano, once said, Poor old Diego, for so many years we have told him repeatedly, You're a god, you're a star that we forgot to tell him the most important thing. You're a man. 
All of those things he dreamed of when he was in Villa Fiorito, the fame, the money, the World Cup, Maradona had them now, but they would prove to be his undoing. Maradona always liked to have fun. It was what made him who he was, that spontaneity, that flair. But it didn't always align with the athlete's lifestyle. He partied a lot. He used drugs. Cocaine, in particular, was his vice. And that lifestyle started to take a toll as he got older. Maradona wasn't able to play as often or as well. And in the 1990s, he started to make more headlines for his indiscretions than for his skill. There were various sex scandals. While playing in Italy, he was accused of becoming involved with a crime syndicate. In 1991, he tested positive for cocaine and was banned from football for 15 months. When he returned to action, he was so overweight and out of shape, one club director said he was not even fit enough to play golf. And the Argentina team was failing too. Without Maradona, they were in a tailspin. In 1993, the team lost 5-0 to Colombia. The result jeopardized the team's bid to qualify for the 1994 World Cup. Some people began to call for Maradona to return, to lead the team for one last World Cup. Others had a different opinion. They said Maradona's hardly played in the last few years. He's fat. He's finished. It's over. Despite the doubts over Maradona's physical and mental condition, the Argentina coach, Alfio Basile, decided to give him one last shot. He was back on the team. But there was work to do. So in the months leading up to the World Cup, Maradona and his personal trainer, Fernando Signorini, started to train intensively. Ezequiel Fernández Mores. So Maradona prepared himself. He said he wanted to make up for all the months and years he'd let himself go in a very short time. Maradona goes to a remote town in La Pampa, the plains of Argentina. Well, Diego Maradona went to that place to train. And the training was really, yes, it was really intense. Signorini wanted to bring him to a place so that Maradona would be hungry, would feel his origins, his beginnings, so that he would start over. I know it's difficult to say, start from zero, because no one starts from zero, but one can start over. Well, Maradona started over. There's this footage of him training for the 1994 World Cup. He's running on a treadmill. When he's finished, he peels off his Argentina tank top. It's drenched in sweat. This is my sweat, he says, the sweat of my daughters, my wife, for all of the Argentinians. We're going to continue sweating like this if the Lord wants it until the final and after the final, because I love you all. I've never felt more Argentinian. I'm proud to be Argentinian and to be the captain of this team. Argentina, estoy orgulloso de ser argentino y de ser capitán de esta selección. An image. It's 1994. The World Cup is in America. Argentina line up for their first game against Greece. Maradona is the captain again. He's lost all the weight and he looks fit and lean. But worn and weathered too. He's 33 now. It's not that the years have been unkind to Maradona. Maradona has been unkind to Maradona. His wrinkles are deeper. He's wearing a silver hoop in his ear, and there's a chain around his neck. He looks like a guy who took a break from running a nightclub to play in a soccer game. That is the man whose 
form will be a key to the destination of this match and very possibly the World Cup of 94. Diego Maradona. The game kicks off and there are moments when time falls away. And the image of Maradona 1994 blurs with Maradona 86. He's running past much younger men, weaving through players. He's ready to prove the doubters were wrong, prove that Maradona is back, back to win another World Cup. In the 60th minute, he flicks the ball to a teammate. It pings from blue shirt to blue shirt, back to Maradona on the edge of the box. He swings back his left leg and smashes the ball into the top corner. But it's not the goal that's most important here, it's what happens next. Maradona leaps into the air with joy, but then keeps running, running away from his teammates, past the goal line and towards a TV camera. He screams, goal! And suddenly, it's as if all of his emotions pour out into the camera lens. Pure bronca. It's almost like he knows exactly where the camera is and turns to it to face it very close and shouts goal, which is what players do. But, but the grimace is very difficult to describe in detail. But the grimace is its a real uh, kind of distortion of his features. His mouth is wide open like a groan, almost like a wild animal growling. Maradona's face is one of somebody who's who's almost committed an atrocity or something. It's a very, very um, harrowing image. In their next game, Argentina won 2-1. to one. Again, Maradona was impressive. He set up the winning goal. And people were starting to think that this was destiny. That it was written. That this resurgent Maradona would lead Argentina to another World Cup. But a few days later... This. Diego Maradona looked as if he didn't have a care in the world as he was led away for a random drugs test after Saturday's game against Nigeria. The fans were told what was happening by an announcer. These players are going to the doping control, that's why they pass. It was as Maradona was inspecting the pitch for tonight's game against Bulgaria that news emerged of an unnamed player having failed a test. Then the bombshell. It was, in fact, the Argentinian captain, whose electrifying form has delighted fans and terrified defences this World Cup, who was the player involved. Maradona pleaded his innocence. He had tested positive for ephedrine, a substance found in a lot of over-the-counter medications used to treat hay fever and asthma. But it can also be used by athletes to improve performance. Maradona said he had no idea he'd taken it and that he had no need for performance-enhancing drugs. But people started to look at that goal celebration and wonder, was that howl into the camera lens just pure emotion? Despite his protests, FIFA and the Argentinian Football Association ruled to send Maradona home, to kick him out of the tournament. Maradona was heartbroken. Before he left America, he gave a press conference and said a tearful farewell to the World Cup. Here's what he's saying. I don't want to be dramatic, but believe me when I say, they cut my legs off. They cut my legs off, and they cut the legs off of my family, the ones who were by my side. I feel like they've taken football away from me forever, and I don't have the strength for revenge. My arms are down. My entire soul is destroyed. 
Todo el alma destrozada. Argentina was destroyed too. Y creo que recuerdo pocas mañanas mías en la Argentina. I remember a few mornings when I took my children to school, took the metro, went to work, and looked at the faces of the Argentinian people. They were faces of infinite sadness. It's like they had cut off the hope of all Argentina too. We know that soccer is a factory of hope. Soccer is a factory of hopes that renew themselves every Sunday. Well, here at the World Cup, we had renewed our hope in Maradona. So that hope, if they had cut off Maradona's legs, they had cut off the hope of millions of Argentinians. Because millions of Argentinians had so much love and gratitude and closeness and such a bond with Maradona beyond his contradictions. Beyond that, there is a sensation that Maradona has been forgiven everything, the good and the bad. So we felt an intense pain when the God fell from his altar. Without Maradona, Argentina were eliminated in the next round. And Maradona never played for Argentina again. Epilogue. This was the story of a man who is many men, Diego Armando Maradona. The little boy from Villa Fiorito with the wild curls who said, I want to win a World Cup, and then did it. A magician, a wizard, a genius, but also a cheat. And for all the cunning, sometimes a fool. So how to summarize the story that has been told? Is El Diego's life an epic? Is it the darkest, blackest comedy? Or is it simply a tragedy? Alicia Dujovne Ortiz. It's not a comedy. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy because it has all of the elements of a tragedy. There's the fact of having risen out of the deepest, lowest poverty and having triumphed and become a world-famous star and having fallen precipitously for various reasons. That is, all the elements of a tragedy are there. The rise, the peak, and the fall. Our starting producers are Emma Morgenstern, Emily Ulbricht, and Gofan Mputubuele. Our super subs are Anna Foley and Jasmine Romero. Our captain is senior producer Matt Nelson. He wrote that weird line about Maradona looking like he's behind on his mortgage payments. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Our coaches are editors Caitlin Kenny, Devin Taylor, and Jessica Weisberg. Sound design, scoring, and mixing by Bobby Lord. Additional music by Emma Munger. You all played this one like you're the Maradona of 1986. Our fact checker is referee Max Gibson. 
Alicia Dujovne Ortiz has written another book about a famous Argentinian, the former first lady, Eva Perón. The book is called Eva Perón, The Biography. Our voice actors were Valeria Avina, Gerardo Gudiño, and Jasmine Romero. Special thanks to Luke Moore, Jorge Erdozain, and Miguel Erdozain. We're taking a break next week to train in La Pampa and get better at making podcasts. But keep your eye on our feed for a bonus episode. We return with a full episode in two weeks, and it's about another World Cup legend, Hope Solo. I was going into that World Cup to come out with one scenario, and that's to win gold. That's it, to be World Cup victors. There was no second place. There was no third place. We Came to Win is a production of Gimlet Media in association with Fusion. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For photos and bonus content, follow Gimlet Media on Twitter. The handle is at Gimlet Media. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Use the hashtag WeCameToWin and tell us what you think. I'm going to leave you with some final words from Diego Armando Maradona. Soccer fans often argue over who is the greatest of all time, Maradona or Pelé. Maradona was asked this question. His response, My mother thinks I am the best, and I was raised to always believe what my mother tells me. Wise words from El Diego. Okay, then we're done. All right, cool. Uh, how do you how do you feel about Maradona personally? The episode? No, the... him as a guy. <laughs> uh, there's no there's no one quite like him, you know. <laughs> He's just uh, he is uh, over the top in every sense of the word, all the time, with without ever dialing it down you know that's why he's the best that's why he's the best that's why he's the best that was we came to win from gimlet media if you like this story subscribe to we came to win on apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your audio on demand